This is the Mark Stucheski Podcast. Today we're going back to the archives for another episode you may have missed. This time, episode 344 from May 6, 2019. Jamie Masters is a business coach, keynote speaker, and best-selling author. She is also the host of the popular Eventual Millionaire podcast, where she's interviewed over 500 self-made multimillionaire entrepreneurs. She's also been featured on CNN Money, Yahoo's homepage six times, Business Insider, Inc., CNN Newsroom, Entrepreneur, Fox Business News, and Success Magazine. Enjoy this incredible conversation with Jamie Masters. Jamie, welcome to the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. Hey, thanks so much for having me. Jamie, you and I went to the same college, Rochester Institute of Technology. I graduated twice. I got my associate degree in 98, and then I moved to Houston and graduated in 2001 with my long distance. Remember when they used to do distance learning? Now everybody does it. So. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they were really crappy, too. I did some of that. Yeah, it was yeah. really horrible. And I remember going to the local library here in Houston to take the exams, and they hit the FedEx. Yeah. Back that Now everything's done online. It's just, that's old school. It wasn't that long ago. It was 2001. It wasn't like 1901. It's crazy. <laughs> that's what it feels like, though, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Now, I just read in the introduction that you have a sword wall, and I cannot get on this podcast with you and not ask you about the sword wall. So again, because I have a degree in computers from RIT, I am a super geek. And not only is it a sword wall, it is a comic book sword wall. So I have Zelda. Well, I guess Zelda isn't technically a comic book. But yeah, Zelda, Deadpool swords. We have all sorts of things. The kids think it's the coolest thing ever. I'm one of those moms. And I put it all at myself. So, really? Yeah. <laughs> yes. Now, are they real swords or are they, they toy swords? Yeah, some of – well, it depends. So the ones up high – are real swords. Uh, I have the whole Wonder Woman cosplay outfit, so I have like the fake prop sword for those. But but no, the real swords are up high where children cannot get to them. Interesting. Now, how old are your kiddos? At nine and twelve. Wow, I remember that age. My my girls are twenty five and twenty one now, but I remember twelve and nine. It's a very interesting time. It's so far so good. I'm everybody scares me about when they get older, so I'm like crossing my fingers. <laughs> well, let's get into the topic of the podcast today. Now, I've been studying high performers, which I include you among the high performers, and I noticed that they have two things that they are part of their life. One is coaches, which we all know what coaches are about, but then they are really involved in mastermind groups. So I'd like you to talk a little bit about what is a mastermind group for the benefit of someone listening to the podcast and go, what's a mastermind group? And I also know you're involved in mastermind groups. So give us a little bit about what the power of masterminds. Oh, definitely. Let me grab my soapbox now. Uh, so, so I'll tell you my story with them. I run them now. I've been running them for nine, 10 years uh, now from my mentor who taught me how to do some of those things. But backing up over nine years ago now, I lived in the middle of nowhere in Maine. So I moved from RIT to Maine because I'm from Maine. Uh, and when we had kiddos, we did that. And no offense to Maine. It's a wonderful, beautiful state, but there's not a lot of entrepreneurs, especially online entrepreneurs at all. I literally, <laughs> nobody knew what I did. They thought I had an online business, which meant nothing to them, right? Uh, they thought it was scandalous. Like, what is she <laughs> doing online? And so I ended up uh, looking at my friends and going, I, I don't really have a core group of friends that I want to be like. They all had day jobs that they hated. And so I was just quitting my, I quit a, a six-figure day job in tech. Um, I just started my own business. I started a blog. I knew nothing about it whatsoever. And I randomly came across the Think and Grow Rich book, uh, which talks about masterminds. And 
to me, that was like the biggest deal ever. Like, oh, I could have friends that live in the computer <laughs> that actually know what I'm talking about and I'm not the crazy one, right? So I started my personal first mastermind group uh, nine years ago. I asked a bunch of people that I didn't know. I only knew one of them. One of them that I did not know was Pat Flynn. And everybody knows who Pat Flynn is from Smart Passive Income, right? If they're listening to a podcast, you've probably seen his face somewhere. Um, and he actually said no at first also, just as a side note, I can tell that story later. But the, go <laughs> but the goal is to get a group group of five, six, seven like-minded people that know what they're talking about, at least mostly together, that help create what, uh, what um, I was going to say Leonardo DiCaprio, that's hilarious, Napoleon <laughs> Hill said uh, was the third mind. So when you get more than uh, two people together, you create this this third mind, which is this creative flow where you can get way more ideas and you can go faster and be more successful because you have access to that. And that's the reason, right? One of the reasons why I did it. The other reasons, because again, I had no friends that knew what I was talking about. So that's why I started the masterminds. But what's amazing in the, in the nine plus years that we've been going is the evolution of you as a human, let alone, these are Minor business specific, um, but the evolution of us as humans and getting better as humans and evolving as humans is amazing. So you don't have to have a mastermind just for business. It can definitely be for personal, um, but I highly recommend getting a group of like-minded people together working on similar things. Now, I want to go back to what you said, something really interesting. I don't want the listener to miss it. You said you knew nothing, and I think a lot of people stop. They go, well, I don't understand it. I'm not even going to try, but you didn't let that stop you. And I don't want people to miss that because I think a lot of people are stuck in their jobs. They hate because they're scared of stepping out into the unknown and learning something new, which may blossom into an incredible business. A million times. Yeah. So I'll give you the, the caveat of how I did this. I, I just knew I wrote the, the five people that were my friends. You know how uh, that quote is about the, your five closest friends. So I wrote their names down and I and no offense to them. They're wonderful humans. I didn't. They're still friends of mine. But I was like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> so, <laughs> so if everybody's miserable at their jobs and not looking for a way out or, or uh, personally evolving, it's tough. And so what I when I read that book, I was like, I don't actually know how to create a mastermind group. But what I did is I posted in a random forum. It was actually a Steve Pavlina forum back in the day when he was super cool. Um, and I asked if anyone wanted to start a mastermind. Now, again, it was mostly because um, I didn't know what I was doing. I was just asking questions. I am a question asker as a coach and as a, a interviewer. I, I'm curious in general. And one of the guys on the forums uh, said he had actually written a book called The The Rich Switch, and it's all about mastermind groups. And I was like, oh, that's amazing. His name's David Hooper. And he was like, I'll be in your mastermind group. And I'm like, I got a guy that wrote a book on mastermind saying yes to my mastermind. Man, I got to step this up. So, <laughs> so I ended up uh, asking a bunch of really highly, because he was already very, very successful. By the way, my blog was one month old at the time. One month. It had like zero subscribers to it wow. also. And I'm like, oh, crap, I better get my stuff together because this guy actually knows what he's talking about. So I, that's when I started ending up cold emailing and asking people. And now in my book, I, I wrote a chapter about masterminds and I wrote the emails that I wrote to people. So there's templates and stuff. So you don't have to wing it like I did because uh, I literally was writing emails going, hey, I have this thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, but it's all about just going out and doing it anyway. Like I didn't know these people. So if they said no, it wasn't that big of a deal. And I, I want to make sure people don't miss that you you looked at your inner circle because a lot of people don't understand. There's a guy, uh, Charlie Tremendous Jones. He passed away a few years ago. Do you Are you familiar with him? No. 
He he's a very famous motivational speaker back in the day, and he used to say, "You'll be the same person you are today in five years, except for the books you read and the people you meet." And yes, I've heard that. It goes back to your inner circle, and I've had a eject people in my career because in my life in my inner circle because they weren't pulling me toward my goal they were actually holding me down they wanted to just like play games all weekend and just be lazy and that's not why I wanted to be and so I encourage the listener please look at who you're hanging around the most because what's that saying who you hang around the five people you hang around the most it's going to reflect on your income it's going to reflect on your attitude and so we really need to look and see what our people are hanging around who are we being exposed to because sometimes we go well I went to kindergarten I've known these kids all my life yeah but are they helping you or hindering you from your goals. Well, yeah, and you don't have to get rid of them either. That's the thing that I think is really important. Like for me, I not really confrontational. So I was like, I'm not going to like get rid of them. But it's sort of an ebb and flow when you stop really going after try. I was the person that was like trying to set up stuff, right? Play dates with the kids and all sorts of things. And then I'm like, well, they're not very responsive anyway. So let's just see what happens if I don't really <laughs> reach out a lot. You know, and so and no offense, like it, it sort of drops by the wayside and you kind of see who your friends really are anyway. Not that we're not really good, quote unquote, friends, but I don't talk to them very much anymore. But what you can do is just focus on the new people, like just for uh, just to tell you the difference. Like I have interviewed almost 500 millionaires on my show now, all in business. And I knew zero, zero when we started. So, again, wherever you are now, just know that when you start focusing on that new stuff, it will make a huge difference as time goes on. Now, that leads me to my next question when I ask you about, I know a lot of people listen to my podcast, they go to the job and like, oh, I wish I didn't have to go to this job. And maybe they want to start creating their own business, but you don't want to quit your job. So what advice would you give them? Because you are a business coach. If someone wants to transition from their boring day job to a side hustle, what would you tell them to do? Oh, okay. So Nick Loper has an amazing podcast called Side Hustle Nation, just as a side note. So does Chris Gillibo has a side hustle uh, podcast too. I mean, what's so interesting, and I did not do this the right way, just so everybody is clear, don't do what I did. <laughs> I quit my job after I had my son and I had no business to go to. I definitely paid off all my debt. I paid off $70,000 in debt because I was working at a great job. But as soon as you stop working, you have no money. And I was the breadwinner, right? So my, my former husband was a, a performer and juggler. And so his income was maybe 30000 a year. And so we went from 135000 a year to 30000 a year without me actually having a business. So don't do that. <laughs> we had three months of expenses, don't get me wrong. But I was like, hey, what do I want to do with my life? No pressure. And you have a three-month-old baby that literally had colic like crazy. So please try and understand that even though you're super busy with your day job and you might have a family and kids, even just taking a handful of hours a week, start listening to uh, – thankfully now there's a million more resources than there were. I quit my job. My son's 12 now, so 12 years ago-ish. Um, and so I found a mentor, which is amazing. A mentor is definitely, definitely help. Um, but whatever you need to do to be able to do that, just start small. You don't have to have it all figured out. Just as long as you start inching, it will make a difference in the long run. I remember hearing a story uh, from Pat Flynn. Now, I don't know Pat Flynn. I know you do. And he liked to spend a lot of time with his kids. And so what he'd do, he would go to work when his kids went to bed. Newsflash, there's 24 hours in the day. You don't have to work eight to five. So you can go to work eight to five and then you can come home, have dinner, spend time with the family. And then when they go to bed, you can work on your side hustle. There's a lot of hours in a week. And I think people are going, I don't have enough, I have enough time. I'm like, how much TV are you watching? 
How much? How many? How much uh, Fortnite are you playing? There is time for you to start your own business after hours. Well, and what's so? It's an energy management issue, right? The hard thing is, is that when you hate your job, your energy expenditure is so low that all you want to do is recuperate when you get home, and you don't feel like you have the energy to be able to do that. Hence, the reason why Netflix or wine or whatever it is at night that that you feel like re- like just a little bit of relaxation. I'm just straight <laughs> out, right? Yep. And what's difficult is that you get in a cycle and in that cycle, you can't, it's very difficult to get off a moving vehicle, right? You're like, I am in a cycle. I can't get, I can't jump off this. Um, And so, like you said, just making one small choice, because it's not these huge, everybody thinks it's the, I interview millionaires, right? They're like, oh, I used to put them on pedestals. They're amazing, right? They must be doing something completely, must have smarter brains. It's not that at all. It's literally small habitual changes over time that really makes a big difference and evolves you as a human. So even if it's one night where you don't watch Netflix, it's Wednesday work night or whatever the heck you want to call it, and you start actually paying attention and, and driving your energy towards that and getting excited about doing that stuff. Stuff, that's what's going to add up. I, my best friend, uh, since I was a baby, her husband um, has been, have been having a side hustle for 10 years. Now, he's making bank on his side hustle, but he loves the his other job also. So he's been doing two with twin boys, by the way. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> They're six now. So you have no excuses, people. Uh, and she works. So it's not like she's a stay-at-home mom either. So, uh, But he's been doing it for so many years. He's created, like you talk about on the show, productivity and systems. So that way he sets up a passive income. He's done. He's got 12 books on Amazon. He's got. He just has a million different side hustles. Um, and he loves it. And he's super passionate. He wakes up at 4 o'clock in the morning. I'm not saying you need to do that. But <laughs> It is possible, people, just so you know. So you don't have to go that crazy far, uh, but even an inch in the right direction is really going to help. Now, what I've seen a lot of people do when they start their side hustle, they kind of get things out of order. The first thing they do is they go out and get a VA, or they go out and get all these (laughs) other businesses. And we're going to talk a minute about how to get a team together, but I think you need to maybe make some income before you get a VA. Would you agree with that? A million times, yes. Thank you for saying that. People are like, oh... I need to find a VA in the Philippines. It's $2 an hour and they're just going to do all my stuff. No, you need to actually have a business model that actually makes money first. <laughs> Literally up to at least $50,000, you could do pretty much everything by yourself. Now, I know if you have a, a day job that pays you quite a bit and you're you're worth a lot per hour, it might be uh, smart to get somebody, but it is a pain in the butt to manage people. That takes time also, just as a side note for everybody, um, that it's not as easy as get a VA and they'll do all your stuff for you. You really have to go all in on your business. As a podcaster, I hate editing, but I am not at the point where I can hire an editor. But my wife loves editing my podcast. So she's actually editing. She's actually editing our voices right now. Not right now, but later. And so if you need help, maybe you have someone in your household that loves to do what you hate to do. And you don't have to spend money on them. You just take them off to dinner or something like that. And start small. I think people are just trying to grow way too big too fast. You got Facebook? Well, I am on Facebook. I have a Facebook page and I have a Facebook group, both under the name of Mr. Productivity. So if you are into Facebook, if you love Facebook, go look me up on Facebook. Just look for Mr. Productivity. Oh, totally. And I I screw up a lot too, by the way, people. So, I mean, I had an app. 
I had a provisional patent. I had all these things that I was like, oh, what about this? None of it really made money as a side note. When you actually start going through um, and really understanding business, and it is about sales. Again, I know I'm sure you've heard that. Um, but if you just focused on sales and were an employee, quote unquote, in your own business, because you have to be at first. Freelance is usually one of the first ones. I remember reading the book 48 Days to the Work You Love yes. by Dan Miller, which I remember reading it on my bed. I was so exhausted because I had a baby that was crying it up all night, right? And I didn't know what to do with my life. And what's so amazing is to, to he wrote the book forward of my book when I actually, I got published by Wiley and I remember asking him and I'd met him and interviewed him. And I was just like, this book was, his book was so amazing. So it doesn't just start somewhere. I remember that moment thinking, crap, what do I want to do with my life? <laughs> right. <laughs> and eventually you'll find it. So, so just keep moving in that direction. And a VA is usually not going to give you all the answers to the universe, which is what we usually expect at the very beginning. You actually have to do the hard work up front. Exactly. And Joe Rogan's got one of the top podcasts in the entire world. And little people don't, what people don't know, when he first started, he did all the editing himself, all the marketing himself. Now he's got a team. But when he first did it, he wanted to learn how to do it himself. He's a geek like you. And I believe every entrepreneur needs to know how to do everything in their business before they outsource it or delegate it. Well, okay. Depends on how, how big your business is, but yes, <laughs> okay. at the beginning, definitely. Uh, you know, the stuff that I would need to know is just insane. We have SOPs, so it's written down somewhere else. So I could potentially learn how to do some of those things. But um, unfortunately, we don't have multi um, backups for absolutely everything in the business. That being said, I definitely learned how to edit the podcast first too. And I sucked at it horribly bad. <laughs> my, my former husband was an audio engineer for the performing side. So I, I made him do it <laughs> after a while. <laughs> But then I found an editor in the Philippines and, and Raleigh's been with me since, and he was at the beginning, he was, I think $8 an hour. And now I think he's 15 or 20. I've given him quite a few raises through, throughout the years, but, but he's been doing it since I started like eight years ago with it. And he's amazing. And it, it doesn't cost that much, but I definitely figured out exactly what I wanted uh, before I even went down that path. Cause you can't critique anyone if you have no idea what to ask for. Exactly. And it's, I had a laugh when you say SOPs because I'm, I'm actually training my wife not just how to edit the podcast, but how to upload it to Libsyn. And so I'm creating this document and I'm like, cause I do it on autopilot. I just click, 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 cut, paste it. I'm like, Oh crud. I have to actually go through like somebody who has no idea what they're doing. And it was really hard. It's like 60 steps. I'm like, Oh my goodness. It takes this many steps to get it up. But I had to go step by step because she doesn't know what, what I'm doing. And I, I'm not good at that. I'm not good at documenting, but I guess. A good entrepreneur should be good at documenting. No. Okay. So let's talk about this <laughs> because one of the things that I found, so I've been a business coach for over 10 years now. And when I look at, and, and just as a side note, I had a mentor that taught me everything I knew. I worked with him for two or three years after um, the fact. So I didn't just become a business coach out of, out of nothing. He was amazing. Sold million dollar businesses. It was the core of my teaching, which is amazing. But what's interesting is that most entrepreneurs, I've worked with hundreds and hundreds and hundreds, six and seven figure guys now and, and females. I'm just used to saying guys. Um, so, so, the interesting thing is, though, we are very uh, visionary. I'm I'm a creative more than anything. Um, I used to be a project manager for a video on demand company, so I can do it. It is like pulling 
teeth, though. So what's interesting is I have what I call my operator, Leilani, who you worked with. She loves that stuff. She's an analytical uh, my, I'm analytical. Don't get me wrong. I love getting met. I love looking at metrics. I do not like getting metrics. I don't like documenting anything. I'm like go with the flow, change it on the fly. More of a visionary, global type. And so, what's interesting is when you pair. And there's a great book. Um, it's more for two million plus kind of businesses, but it's called Rocket Fuel. And it talks about a visionary and an integrator. And so when you say that, an entrepreneur needs to know this stuff. So they do to a point, they do to to 50,000 or 100,000. But when you do start building your team, you need to actually replace the strengths that you are not good at with people that are very good at them. And this is what's tough about just hiring someone in the Philippines. They they may or may not complement your strengths at all, right? <laughs> and so as you're going through, and this is why I think entrepreneurship is the best thing ever, is it really allows you to understand what you are really good at doing, what your strengths are, what feels amazing. Like your wife that loves to do editing not everybody loves to do editing, right? Mm-hmm. Not everybody loves to do SOPs. Leilani loves it. I think she's crazy and I love her for it. <laughs> but but you have to pair up skill sets. So after all these millionaire interviews that I've done, this is what they harp on over and over and over again. When you start your business, especially as a side hustle, figuring out what you're really, really good at that you can get into flow very easy is the stuff you want to level up. So if it is client work, then do more client work. I'm not saying don't right? Or if it is SOPs, then do that, right? Um, But it's unique for, or mostly unique, I should say, for just about everyone. And you won't really know until you get into it. So when you start getting into it, you can go, ooh, I suck at that. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to, it's like pulling teeth. It feels like I have my hand on a hot stove. That's the stuff that I really want to start finding a contractor for. It might be graphic design. It might have nothing to do um, with what you assumed it would have been at the upfront. But when you get in it, you're going to start realizing those things. And that is the personal evolution thing that's huge. I had no idea I like to interview people and I'm pretty good at it, right? Like I didn't know that until I started doing it. And by the way, I also sucked at first. So you have to give it some time. You have to have a little bit of grit to go through (laughs) the hard stuff to know whether or not it's just a training issue or it's a real strengths issue. Does that make sense? It it does. And when I, I was actually listening to a podcast this morning and they're saying the services that are starting to come now because podcasting is so hot is obviously podcast editing, but now show note prep. So you can actually have people listen to my episode, write out the pro the show notes. Now, of course you, you have to like train them. You have to find the right person, which brings me to our next topic. I want to talk about a team. Let's say you're growing. You said 50, to do hundred thousand dollars. Now you start looking for a team. Tell us how we go about finding a team that's going to work for us. Cause I'm sure we don't want to pick the first person that comes to our door. <laughs> Please don't do that. <laughs> I have learned the hard way that you do not do that. Well, and just as a silly, silly story, I did this again, screwing up is so fun as an entrepreneur. <laughs> now I can talk about how much I screwed up cause it's in the past that I figured it out. Right. So I hired a VA in the Philippines when I wasn't really making a ton of money. And, and cause that's what everybody tells you to do. And like eight VAs later, I even I, one of one of the VAs that I hired in the Philippines was actually hiring another VA for less in the Philippines to do the work that I gave her. Oh my and I goodness. was like, I know. I was like, either you're really smart or I'm really mad. I can't, I can't determine <laughs> which one I care about more. But but lessons learned over time. 
Um, and I'm not saying don't hire in the Philippines. I'm just saying in general, you don't even know how to manage or what to give them at the beginning. And it's definitely a skill set to learn also. So just remember that even if you're a, a solopreneur right now, you're starting to make a little bit of money. Um, you're, one of your strengths might be managing. One of your strengths might not be managing, <laughs> right? <laughs> so, so finding that out is going to be really important. So one of the very first um, things that I have people do, and I'll give you a, a, a link because uh, I'll give – one of the things I have all my clients do is a time audit. I'm sure as a productivity show, you talk about time no, audits. I don't talk about time general, at all. Right? <laughs> so, so whatever you want, or I have a, a time audit sheet that I give uh, to all my clients, um, and I'll give you the, the link at the end. I think we have eventualmillionaire.com slash, we had your name, but I'm quite positive no one can spell your name. So what are, what what are you, you saying, doing? Jamie? What are you saying about my last name? I mean, I, I could spell, spell I, my first name. So I could, I, I could. No, I'm one of the people that can spell your first name correctly. <laughs> and you actually called me out on that because you said, "Hey, you actually spell my name correctly." But you know what? I, the funny story. I don't mean to interrupt here, but nope. when I was three years old, I thought my nursery school teacher was stupid because I could say my name and spell it, and she couldn't. I'm like, "What are you dumb?" I mean, I'm three years old. I could spell my name, but I realized that's the first thing my parents taught me was Mark Struchowski. Okay, so I have a. When I was in first grade, my first grade teacher made me spell my name wrong because she thought I was lying to her. <laughs> oh my god! And my my dad was pissed off. He came in and was like, "No, she knows how to spell her name." So just so you know, we both have some issues. To, how did you want? How did she want you to spell it? J a m i e, which oh. is not correct. It's more French. I love J a i m e is how it's supposed to be, but. Which I'm going to use Mark S. Has that because oh. everybody can write that. So it's going to be eventualmillionaire.com slash Mark S. Not Mark S. Like time- not M A R C U S, right? M A R K S. That's funny, though. I'm going to rename you on your show. M A R K S. Okay. Perfect. Okay. So, so it's Mark's. <laughs> you have an interesting uh, <laughs> URL. But uh, the reason why I want you to do the time audit first is because you'll actually start seeing what you're doing, right? And that that sheet that I'm going to leave there is going to have a couple different modules. Feel free. It's There's no opt-in required people. It's just the a Google Doc with links to videos that I send to my clients. So have fun with that. They pay me a lot of money for those things. So, so when we're looking at the time audit, you can actually start pulling it apart, which I already know you know this, but you can pull it apart and figure out which tasks are most important. Nine times out of 10, though, it, it can be VA work, but a lot of the times it's, it's actually specialized. It's hard to find a VA in general that can just do all the things right? Uh, Well, anyway. And so um, finding a graphic designer, finding a podcast editor, finding these contractors where you're sort of the project manager um, actually helps and probably improves your business because they're probably better at it than you are. And then finding somebody that's more of a holistic VA or project manager that can manage them um, is also really, really helpful. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Tim Ferriss in his uh, book, best-selling book, by the way, which was rejected 37 times to four-hour work week, which I found astounding. He says when you get a VA, and I like to know your story of this, is give them simple tasks to begin with, like really ridiculously simple, and then build on it. Do you do you agree with that? So yes, and so I read for our work week when I was in my job, and I loved, I've interviewed Tim and stuff like that too, and it's just interesting, because when you put it into practice, it's interesting. Let's just say that. It's never as easy as they say it is in the books. Look, you just do this. It's so easy. <laughs> uh, so, so you mean I, you have to work more than four hours a week? Really? Yeah, <laughs> Dude, he totally works more than – anyway, side note, I'm assuming he works more than four hours a week now. Um, But when – yes, definitely simple tasks. Um, Just think of it as a way of you learning how to manage somebody, right? So when you do the time audit, those are chunks that you can have other people do. The problem was that I did the simple tasks at at 
front. And there's this gray area of going, wait, is it is it the VA that's crappy? Is it me that's crappy? Am I not explaining? Right? There's a million things. So um, yes, simpler tasks, don't get me wrong. But what I highly recommend is having a definition of done. So what, what I realized that I sucked at this was me, is that I would go, oh, do it like this. Or I'd make a quick little video. I was like, that's pretty pretty easy to know. But when me and you were talking earlier about the owner and the operator, we are completely different brain-wise. So I'm visual. I want to draw it out. I, I see the whole global picture all at once. Leilani is analytical, so she actually wants a syllabus. She wants like a step-by-step SOP, teach me how to do these things. I'm like, no, 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 I don't read directions. That's not, <laughs> that's not how I work. And so what's interesting is that when we think we're giving them simple tasks, we don't actually explain very well. We suck at managing most of the time, especially when you're you're new to it because you're new, right? Mm-hmm. You're also probably stuck at hiring because you also haven't hired before. Hence the reason why the beginning of entrepreneurship is all pretty bumpy. Yes. Uh, because who knows if it's if it's the actual VA that's the problem or if it's you that's the problem. And usually it's a combination of both. And so one thing is that definition of done and then having them reiterate to make sure that they're on the right track because it is it is a definite learning process on how to get better at that stuff. What I've found that I personally like better um, is to make enough money so that you can pay somebody that's done this many, many times before and they can help train you on it. <laughs> so when I actually found somebody in the States, I remember my business coach, because I had only had um, contractors and stuff like this. This was many years ago. My business coach was like, Jamie, hire someone locally that is amazing that will take your business to the next level. And I'm like, but they were expensive and this and that and the other thing, right? And when I had her come on, revolutionized, like she was an A player. And the difference, I had no idea that I was limping along going, oh, I just assume I'm a a crappy manager. It must be me. No, I was crappy at hiring. There were maybe C players at the best, maybe B, but I had no structure. So of course they could never be an A player. So when I hired an A player that actually knew what she was doing, she actually helped manage me. Yes, she was more expensive, but man, I got so much more ROI out of her because she actually knew what she was doing. So I highly recommend, and again, she was, um, my business coach was like, I'm going to hire her if you don't because she sounds fantastic. (laughs) I was like, okay, great. Uh, That really kicked me in the butt, right? Um, So my hiring process on that side had definitely gotten uh, better also, but but just know that each one of these is a practice and they say hire slow and fire fast and way easier to say, way harder to do in practice. But if you can even share somebody that is a, a somebody that speaks English natively, that knows what they're doing, that can actually manage you, even if you're only doing a couple hours of their time, I highly recommend that because they can go, I can take that off your plate. I can take that off your plate. And you already have a million things on your plate. So making sure you have a high level person that has your back is huge. Speaking of high-level person that has your back, at what point do you get comfortable? And I know there's not, this is not a black and white answer. It's a gray answer where you can start giving them access to your social media or your website or your web hosting or your media hosting. At what point in the relationship did you feel comfortable? Let me ask you it that way. Did you feel comfortable giving them access to these things? Become a free Mark Struchowski Insider today by going to MrProductivity.com. When you do, you will get my top five productivity tips absolutely free. The Mark Struchowski Insider, free at MrProductivity.com. 
Oh, I was willy-nilly at the beginning. I had no idea. <laughs> I was like, here, you can have everything. Um, we use LastPass now. I think I think it, it depends. We use uh, – when. What's a pain is firing somebody. And and I came from tech, right? So I used to work at a network operations center and everybody had – we had to change our passwords constantly. I was a security fiend back then. And so for me, I just have a protocol where if we if something does go on, we just change all the passwords, we fire them, like that kind of thing. And I actually have a, a post about that too. I'll, I'll put that link on, on the site also. But, but if you hire them for a job – I hope you trust them enough. I mean, as, as best, don't give bank account information, but, <laughs> but social media stuff, they're going to mess up a little bit. You have to be okay with them messing up a little bit, but just know that if you have to fire them really, really fast, you have a protocol to be able to switch all of those up because you don't want them to have any sensitive information. Okay. Well, let's talk about your workflow. I mean, I know you do like a billion interviews a week and, <laughs> and I actually learned something from you. Believe it or not, I I did. I was in your Millionaire Hustlers program not too long ago. But one of the things I learned from you, when I first got into podcasting, I was doing interviews Monday at 10, Tuesday at 5, Wednesday at 6. I I was all over the board. And then I realized people like you and other big podcasters, they do all their interviews in one day. And it's podcasting day. And since I started doing that and realized that Mondays, now this is a Wednesday recording this because you win an exception because you're so awesome and you went to RIT and you also have a sword wall. So, but I usually do my interviews on Mondays and I found out when I started doing that, I felt like I could breathe the rest of the week because the rest of the week I could work on my business. So tell us about some of the systems you put into place to manage your workload. Well, today's Wednesday and today's my batch day and that's why you were on this day. <laughs> okay. Just so you know, um, it, it's to me the the brain process that we need um, that you can get into flow with. If you batch things, I mean, and you already know these pieces, but but batching is huge. But not just because you're more efficient because we we do them all in one day. It's because for me, I can get into flow better. So when I'm in curiosity question mode, right? I am. I get way better by the end of the day. I can be way more in flow, and that's actually what. Um, after the time audit, I go over flow and energy management because for me, actually getting into flow—that's where creative genius happens, right? And so Monday on meeting day, I don't have to get on creative flow at all. We just have all of the meetings batched out. Um, so I have a master schedule. And module three on that sheet that I'm going to give you guys to has exactly how to do the master schedule. But it's, I mean, it's time blocking. I know the one thing uh, book talks about time blocking. It's very similar to that. The interesting thing that I found, though, is I have tweaked it over and over and over again. So what I used to do is I used to do uh, two days of coaching days, right, especially when I had a lot of clients. Then I did one day of coaching day. So Tuesday was my coaching day. I go from 930 in the morning to 330-ish because I have kiddos and I pick them up from school. But my voice and my brain by the end of the day was just so burnt out. So now we've cut it and split it into two. So it's an ever evolving process of how you work and learning about yourself and what works and what makes you feel good. I know that when I have a fully batched out day, I have to like go, and tonight I'm going to see a comic book movie and not do anything, <laughs> right? <laughs> because you're, my brain specifically is at a very high level of processing, just like with coaching. I charge a lot an hour. I want to deliver as much as I possibly can to people. And by the end of the day, I'm like a a crispy cracker, at least on the brain function (laughs) side, right? And so resting is really, really 
really important. So we've gone over, <laughs> I actually have a Asana task all about my new master schedule that we were testing for this last two months. Uh, and my uh, my right hand, Leilani, is like, okay, do we like this here? Do we want, do we want to move this here? <laughs> I'm like, ooh, okay. All right. Um, and so we still have our batch days for podcast recording just so that way I'm at home. I make sure I have everything set up. I don't have to keep coming back and forth. Um, but it has, it makes everything more effective, not just efficient, but effective when you know what works best for you and your body and your brain. That makes sense? Yes, it does. How many interviews do you typically do on a Wednesday? Uh, today's only four. So I used to, so the funny thing is I used to do six or seven and I used to make my guests, cause I'm a dork, uh, <laughs> try and determine, and my listeners too, try and determine which interview was the last one. That was my next question. Like, do you, I was going to ask you, do you get fatigued? Because I, I only do three interviews in a Monday. Cause I, I know myself, I tried to do four and then fourth interview, I wasn't sharp. So I guess it goes back to, you have to know yourself. So are you getting fatigued as you're getting to those, when you do six or seven interviews, if you ever have those days anymore, do you get fatigued at the end of the day? So, well, okay. So let me say this. So nobody could guess I could do seven or eight interviews wow. and I would bring it during the interviews. That being said, I would lose my voice. I, right. Not good by the end of the day. Um, and I literally would be like, I'm going to go crawl in a corner. (laughs) So, (laughs) so I don't do that anymore because of that flow thing. I I could bring it every single interview, but because I had to take so much energy to bring it every interview, it wasn't worth it. I mean, we only need, we do one interview uh, a week that goes out live anyway. I just like to batch them to have a bunch in advance in case somebody canceled or whatever the, the reason was. And, and instead we just, um, go back through, I've got, nine, eight years worth of podcast interviews. So we go back through and if we have a missing one and there was some sort of issue, we just do a selects edition <laughs> and it's a, an old episode. So we have contingency plans now. Uh, so I don't have to do that. Um, but even, even for, we squeezed you in on this just because you are amazing at follow-up just as a side note, you are so good at follow-up. Seriously, you totally, we have a wait list for podcast for me to go on. A really, really long one because I taught um, John Dumas uh, about coaching and stuff like that. And so now every one of his disciples that do podcasts <laughs> want me on the show, <laughs> which is amazing. And we have a huge list. And you have followed up and followed up and followed up and been so consistent. I'm like, we have to put him on now. So we actually normally don't do – I don't do interviews on my normal interview show days when I interview millionaires because it's a different skill set, right? I'm actually giving advice instead of me just being in curiosity mode. Um, so typically we have the actual um, podcast interviews that I do where I get to talk about myself a lot uh, <laughs> on a separate batch day. So we'll do three or four of those once a month. And then we do um, the interview for millionaires once a month. It's interesting because the reason why I follow up so much is my high performance coach says the power is in the follow up. Most people try one or two times to go, I give up, but I really wanted you on the show. And I said, look, I'm going to be a thorn in her side. And here you are. So I was always like, ah, he's, I know you're on the list. And then she, uh, Leilani's like, he, he is amazing at follow. I'm like, I know. And I feel bad saying no every single time. So now we just bump him up. Just bump him up. <laughs> well, I really appreciate that. But it is a productivity podcast. So we have to get into your brain and find out how do you, Jamie Masters, stay productive? <laughs> Great question. I have other people do most of the stuff. For- no. Uh, so, <laughs> so, so I have ADD. 
Um, and it's really interesting. I'm doing a bunch of uh, more research. I'm trying to get Dr. Amen on my show to talk about ADD and all that fun stuff too. I've been, I have prescriptions for Adderall. I do not take them because I do not like to have stimulants. So I do everything else to try and make it so that my brain can function, uh, as optimal as possible. I use a lot of nootropics. Um, and I, I really do try and get rid of the stuff I don't like to do. So when we think about the energy side of things, like I was saying before, like I hate, cleaning and cooking. And <laughs> I like cooking when I don't have to cook. Don't get me wrong, but I don't like cooking when I have to cook. Uh, dishes, laundry, all that stuff. I have a personal assistant that does all that stuff, which is amazing. Now she's on maternity leave, so I'm a little <laughs> strapped right now. <laughs> but uh, but when you can start delegating the stuff that takes away your energy, you can have more energy for the stuff that you absolutely adore and love, which is this stuff, right? I've got two kiddos. I've got a lot of stuff going on in my life, so nobody has no any excuses, by the way. Single mama, two kids, uh, mostly single. Being able to go through and, and actually prioritize my work week and have Leilani manage up. So one of the things that we do also, which I highly recommend, and I tell this to my clients, um, Leilani, I realize that I'm not a great manager, just as a side note. Leilani's an amazing manager. I'm okay. I'm not bad. <laughs> I'm a good boss and a good leader, not as great as, as managing. So Leilani actually manages the entire team, but she also manages me. Because That's I have ADD. <laughs> I get distracted like crazy. So so we go over project plans. She outlines everything. She's my operator, right? And then I make her, because she's wonderful, uh, prioritize everything for me. Based on what I said, don't get me wrong, but in Asana, all my tasks are like, these are my P1 tasks. These are my P2 tasks. So that I can go, ooh, on Monday I'm doing this. And that's how I sort of... Um, pull out my workflow on in Asana, I have Monday, and then I move things around based on that. Monday, these are the P1 tasks that get done, P2 and P3, and I reorganize it constantly, every single day. Now, at the beginning of the week, I try and go over the big rocks that I need to do and organize it up front, but things change as you go through. Mm -hmm. So um, really just trying to separate when I actually have time to work versus when I have time to play, because it used to be sort of the other way around. It'd be like, I was guilty whenever I was with the kids that I wasn't working, and I, and I was guilty when I was working that I wasn't with the kids. Now they're a little older, it makes it a little bit easier. Um, but being able to really prioritize and really go after the stuff that you have. Nootropics helps with that, and so does prioritizing it before you actually sit down. Now, this next question, if you don't feel comfortable answering it, we'll just edit it out. But you mentioned your ADD. Mm -hmm. Have you been diagnosed? Yeah. Okay. The Absolutely. reason why the reason why I ask that because one of the things that really nerves really makes me mad, and I've had other people talk on my talk on mental health on my podcast mm -hmm. is people are self diagnosing. You know where I'm going with this? Oh, I I can't contract I'm ADD. I'm like, have you been diagnosed? No, I just know. I'm like. No, that's an insult to people who have been diagnosed ADD or ADHD. <laughs> yeah, so it's, this is very interesting because, okay, so let's talk about this for a little bit. Because uh, out of all the millionaires that I've interviewed, a lot of them have ADD, dyslexia. Like, it's really interesting, right? One reason I'm assuming is because we can't work for anyone else, so we have to work for ourselves, <laughs> right? Like, <laughs> ah. But, um, but when we look at uh, how we adapt, I, I see it as an asset, don't get me wrong. Um, but when I went in to actually get diagnosed, which is only a few years ago, I was like, something's going on. Like, I... I, I've been like this my entire life, don't get me wrong. Uh, well, I've also had a couple brain injuries lately, so who knows if it came from that. When my doctor went and asked me all the things, I was like, Those, that sounds like an online test. So what's interesting is, yes, it's true. I was actually, uh, he gave me a prescription for Adderall, which again, like I said, I don't like to actually use. It works like crazy good, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it doesn't work. <laughs> I'm just saying I don't want to put that stuff in my body. And so when we look at, at that, 
go get diagnosed, people. Then you actually know. I'm actually, what's funny about you asking about this too is that I'm, I actually just called right before this podcast to have my daughter tested because I'm quite positive she has it. Um, but she has not actually been officially tested yet too. So yes, please go and check. It could be something else. It could be just diet related. We are in a world that is so unfocused in general. And so we're taxing our brain so much. And again, I'm not a brain scientist, but reading uh, the neuroscience and stuff, we're doing such horrible things for our brain yeah. anyway, <laughs> right? That it might not be ADD, but it just, you ha you have symptoms for a, a myriad of different things and, and really actually getting a real clear diagnosis so you can actually go after the solutions. We're problem solvers, right? Absolutely. Well, my mom, my mom is like in her mid seventies and she has got dementia really, really bad. I mean, she just like went off the cliff like a year ago. She was normal. And because I'm her only son, I got to talk to her neuropsychologist and I said, look, I read an article in Runner's World magazine that says if you stay active every day, you potentially may never get mental illness like uh, Alzheimer's. And I said, is that true? He goes, yes. He says, we've been telling you from the beginning of time, diet and exercise. When you exercise every day, you keep the veins and arteries supple in your brain. And if you don't eat a lot of processed foods, you eat greens and vegetables and fruit. He said they are finding that that is actually helping people. Now right. the the problem, yeah, the problem with <laughs> here's the problem with dementia. It's really easy to prevent it, but there's no cure. And so I'm 53, and I am doing. I run every day at least two or three miles. I'm trying to eat You're better. Doing amazing. Today today is 590 days. We're recording this on April 10th. I've so run 590 impressive. days. Thank so you. impressive. But I'm doing it because I see people who are 57 years old, like three years older than me. I'll be, I'll be 54 in June. And they walk around like they're 99. I said, I do not want to be that person. I don't want to be pulling an oxygen tank behind me when I'm 62 because I didn't take care of myself. So my mom is really, her dementia is really said, hey, look, Mark, you have to take care of yourself. And my goal now is to make triple digits. I'm not settling for 80 or 90. I right? want triple digits. And I'll still be doing the podcast. <laughs> So and that's so my grandmother has Alzheimer's too, and so I started doing twenty three and me, and I'm more likely. So just know more about yourself. And yes, of course, diet and exercise. It's funny how much that's harped on. It, but it's but I can admit fully also where I was like, huh? I asked my I hadn't been sleeping lately. They're like, oh, what about this? I'm like, I have been drinking wine at night more often than I normally have. You're right. I'm going to cut that out. And, <laughs> right. So it's an ever evolving path like just getting better well most people are like you mark that do 500 days a row in running but <laughs> start there you can totally do that too and if you're competitive like me you go get yourself an apple watch which has the rings and i am so obsessed i've got to close my rings every single day i'll go for a walk at 10 o'clock at night those rings are getting closed and really yes wow yeah i'm well, only competitive if i have somebody else to be competitive against hence the sword wall no well, <laughs> <laughs> well if you get a go get yourself an apple watch it's got these rings you got to move uh, exercise and a stand ring like 12 you got to stand 12 times a day it really affected because you're competing against yourself and it's good for you because the point is you've gone to the store shopping. You see a lot of people. They put all this high processed foods in there with ho-hos and ding-dongs and ice cream. And that's why we're all obese. And I don't want to be that way. So I'm trying to take care of myself. And if you want to be more productive and you want more energy, take care of yourself because that all feeds into it. A million 
times yet. So it's funny. I don't have an Apple Watch specifically, but I do in my um, – I use a best self journal every day because mm-hmm. uh, I love writing. I was an art major at the very beginning. And so what I do is I write meditation because I meditate every day. Move, which is right now I'm doing a Gosco. So move in some way and water. And I have to check those three boxes. So apparently I am like you. I have to check, I have to check all the boxes every day. But I write them in every single day because I like writing with my little pens. That's awesome. Well, before we wrap up, Jamie, is there anything else that we didn't cover on the show today that you want to – Tell the audience. Everything. No. Listen to Mark. Mark is <laughs> we don't have enough time, Mark. <laughs> Mark is awesome. And I just I just want to again congratulate you for how I've I've known you for many years and to be able to see your progress is really, really impressive. So pat yourself on the back because I know not a lot of people do that, right? Well, I really appreciate that. And you and John Lee Dumas, well, you through John Lee Dumas and Gary Vanderchuk actually inspired the Mark Stuchowski podcast because I heard Gary talk in the spring of 2017 how the future is video, or I'm sorry, audio, because people are busy, they're running, they're going on the trains and planes, whatnot. And I'm like, you know, I used to be a radio DJ up in Rochester, New York. And I said, I could be a podcaster. And like you, you mentioned like you didn't know what you're doing. I went to this website and listener, write this down, google.com. And you can actually type in, how do I start a podcast? And guess what? You'll get like a billion pages. I self-taught myself podcasting and people go, wow, how'd you do it? I'm like, I went to Google and YouTube. It's amazing. All this information out there, you need to pay for it. As long as you have internet, it's incredible. So I just want people to know if you want to do something, just go to Google and just, just, if you don't do anything else, just do the beginning thing. What's the next step you have to do? Mm. Don't worry about the 20th step. What's the next step you have to do? Okay, so there is something I do want to say really quick because because okay. I also did the same thing. I inter- or I emailed a millionaire before I ever had a podcast, and I asked them to come on the show. So you know, because you were in Hustlers from before, I love active actions. Yes. So active actions are the ones that sort of they catch your breath a little. They're out of your comfort zone. They're like, oh, right. That takes ten seconds to actually send an email, but they actually get a million times more. And that's totally accurate, right? A million times more uh, back. And so I emailed somebody that I didn't know that I found on iTunes. He said, yes. I went, oh, crap. Now I need to figure out how to make a podcast. <laughs> so so just reach out. Just actually take that action stuff, like Mark was saying, to actually move forward. And that's what will inch you and inch you and inch you. And you'll be really proud of yourself that that action adds up. 500 and something days later and Mark can show you his progress. When you said active actions, you know, I remember that from the Millionaire Hustlers group, but you just made me realize something I've got to do on my to-do list. That was a recurring to-do is get Mark Cuban on your podcast. So I've got his email address. I'm going to email him when we're done with this episode because you, I would, I, yes. I just, you know, the worst he can say is no. I You're mean, the follow-up king. You would beat me. I've already emailed him three times, and after three times, I'm like, oh, I don't know about oh, that. So no, you I... are the follow-up king. <laughs> I got you, so I'm going to go for a bigger fish. I mean, you're a big fish. I'm going to go for a bigger fish. Maybe I'll have Do Oprah it. on the show. Who knows where this is going to go? <laughs> hey, I believe you totally will. You, you're impressive. I really appreciate it. Well, I appreciate you being on the show today. I appreciate all the wisdom. Folks, you're going to have to listen to this episode three or four times. There's just so much here. Jamie, thank you so much for sharing your time with us today. Thank you so much, too. Have an amazing day, Mark. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Mark Stuchowski Podcast. I really hope it served you well today. Now head on over to my website, mrproductivity.com. Sign up to be a free Mark Stuchowski Insider. Get my top five productivity tips for entrepreneurs. Absolutely free. It's my gift to you. And until tomorrow, my friend, go be productive.